What a blessing. And this verse is pretty common. This is the second time this year that I turned to this passage, completely different message. But I really believe that God wanted me to speak this. I think it's important for us to understand that sometimes we go through valleys personally. How many have ever been through a valley personally? Honestly, to tell you the truth, sometimes churches go through that. Sometimes countries go through that. And so I think that's something that we would all agree upon. And so I decided to preach the message. I've entitled it, Through the Valley of Change. And how do we make it through that valley? I hope I can help you with this message. I think it's a positive one. I want you to look at the scriptures, if you would, with me again. That particular verse, verse number two. It says, When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. And when thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame flames kindle thee. I think really as introduction, these encouraging words were penned by Isaiah, and they were written to bring comfort to God's peculiar people, the Jews. Now, you would agree with me that that's who this was written to. That's not a problem. However, I really believe that according to the New Testament, there is evidence that God has included those who have been redeemed and were most certain able to claim these verses. It talks about us being those that have been born again. We too can claim these verses. I actually open the Bible and read verses and I claim them. I have an Old Testament verse for my personal verse, 2 Samuel twenty-two thirty-three. God is my power, God is my strength and power. God actually has made my way perfect and he is my strength and power. Not talking about perfect as far as a perfect individual, a prideful response. What we're saying is God actually has made my way complete. He's designed it. He's actually given me the ability to move forward because of his goodness to me personally. And that spoke to my, to my heart when I was about 17 years old. And I'm 59. It's been with me all these years. A little jackknife. You open it up and in there it says 2 Samuel 20 through 33. Um, and I don't know why, but somebody gave me one of those for a wedding present. And, uh, and so I've had it ever since. But I want you to look at the New Testament just for a minute, just a couple of verses. You don't have to turn there, but keep this verse before you. Second, second, uh, uh, Titus chapter 2, verse 14, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. And so we would agree that he has redeemed us. We would agree that he has redeemed a peculiar people. Um, and that's talking about those that he loves and cares for. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 9, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous, marvelous light. I believe that all who claim Christ can claim these verses in Isaiah to help bring the, a calming comfort to their heart and a confidence to their soul. I believe God wants us to know we have not only a divine deliverance through the trouble that we go through, but also his divine presence through that trouble and through those difficult seasons that we go through. Compared with any affliction um, we face on earth, 
uh, really, it is, it is a light affliction compared to what we're going to enjoy when we get to heaven. We look for that wonderful day. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, verse 17, but for our light afflictions, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. And so we all must go through valleys of, of life. We have that. Many of you have gone through them. And I've gone through valleys, difficult times. But to, to kind of just give you an idea that God has a desire to maybe change some things in your life. We're going through really kind of a man-made, a man-made change going on in our world today. As I'm, I'm shocked as I see all around uh, other nations and missionaries showing me pictures of them going to church with masks on also. Kind of interesting that this is not just an American thing, not just a Dane County thing. It's across the world that they call it a pandemic. And uh, just to tell you where I'm at in that position, I don't believe it's a pandemic. Sorry. If you, if you get mad at me, that's all right. I'm not saying we should go against uh, the laws of the land, but it's important for us to understand the statistics don't show that there's all kinds of people dying with this. And so stop the fear. If there's an illness like the flu that's taking people's lives, then we need to be concerned. Amen. But I really believe that God wants us to continue to preach His Word even through these difficult times of fear. Yes. And uh, there are people that aren't here this morning because of fear. Don't be afraid. If our country is going through a valley, and a valley of change, God is not only going to protect you through it, but He's also going to be present with you during that time. He's going to be with you and comfort you. I think it would benefit us while we are in the valley of change that we would humble our hearts and be willing to be more Christ-like. The several, the, of course, there are several things to keep in mind, uh, and I think we can take it from this text and draw these things out of this particular verse that when we're in a valley and we're going through a difficult time, there are certain things that we need to remember. Number one is that we, we are God's personal possession. We need to remember that. I think it's important for us to remember that He does desire that we are His. Look what it says in the first verse again. It says, But, but now, thus saith the Lord that created thee. So it talks about how He created each person. O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. Uh, and, and, and by the way, that particular verb in the Hebrew language is that He will constantly be redeeming us. It's not a one-time thing. Yes, it's a one-time thing that He redeemed us and took us off the shelf. But He will continue to redeem you. You are His until He sees you face to face. It's not just a one-time thing that you have to continue to do good works and be good enough to, to get His approval. But there is an understanding that God has redeemed you and I and that we are redeemed forever and He will continue to redeem us. I have called thee by thy name. What does it say, that last phrase? Say it with me. Thou art my... Now, class, look at your Bibles. Look at look, verse number one. Look what it says, the last phrase. Say it with me. Thou art mine. What, what, a, what a wonderful thought. You belong to me, is what he's saying. God's saying that you don't belong to Satan anymore. You belong to me, that he has redeemed you through the blood of Jesus Christ, and you are no longer lost. You are no longer uncertain of your end. You now have Jesus Christ as your Savior. You have a home in heaven. You have a glorious future. 
It's so wonderful to be able to take that verse and remember that God says that we are His. Take it personally. And so the first thing I want you to see is that we are God's personal possession. Just in verse number one, we see that He has created us. Think about that. He has created you. He knows you. He has actually formed you. Remember what Psalm 139 tells us, that He has formed us in our mother's womb. He formed us. I had an opportunity to get away this last week for just a couple of days. And um, in the height of my studies, um, to take time away is hard for me because I'm a person that wants to perform and get things done. And it's hard for me to sit looking at a bonfire when I should be doing things, right, that are different than what I'm doing at that particular time. So it's kind of hard. But with all of that, i got to remember that God has made me. I, I think about how that we took my mom with us, and so I got to spend time with my mother camping. Now, I haven't been camping with my mom since we were together in the 1970s. And uh, what a blessing that was, because during the night, a skunk got in the tent. We, we thought it was fun to go camping and for some reason, the zipper didn't come all the way down. Um, probably somebody was not maybe negligent of not zipping it down. You go camping and you get excited. You want to come back in there, you know. And so we heard something getting into the cookies. My, my mom thought it was my brother. I, you know, I don't know why that was, you know. But it was such a blessing to go back in time. By the way, the end of that story goes well because we were all able to sneak out of the tent one by one by one. While he was eating Oreos, we were just sneaking out behind him. Got behind the tent, and we tapped on and opened the thing a little more. And he walked out of the tent and got out of there. Praise God he didn't spray, right? Yeah. This time we were in a camper, so it was a little, little, bit, little bit easier, a little nicer. But it was interesting because I can see my mom and how that some of the features and some of the ways that she has and the personality that she has, I, I, there's no denial, that's my mom. If she come visits here, you know what I'm talking about. That's Dean's mom. Uh, or, or, that, or Dean is, is Diane's child, you know. We see that in that. But to think about this, that, that God, even in my mother's womb, formed me. It's just an awesome... It just kind of brings me to the place of saying, what an awesome God. And he knew what my color of my eyes would be. He knew how big my nose would be. And he knew that I would have a wave that turned into a beach. <laughs> he knew that. It's interesting how God knows everything. He, he created you. He formed you. He redeemed you. Just in the first verse, he called you by his name. You are his and you belong to him. Deuteronomy 32, verse number 6 says, Do ye thus requite the Lord, O foolish people and unwise? Is not thy father that hath bought thee, and hath he not made thee, and establish thee. First uh, Corinthians 16, 6, verse number 19. What? Know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own? First Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 20 says, You are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse number 23, it says, You are bought with a price. Be not ye the servants of men. Someone picked apart, and I 
fully agree with the Lord's Prayer. Because it's something that we kind of look to as a religious thing, and sometimes we as fundamental Baptists don't read it. There's a lot there. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Our Father. Think about that. Someone wrote these words, and maybe you're familiar with them. My Father is personal because he walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. My Father is all-powerful because God is my strength and my power. My Father is ever-present. I will be with you always, even unto the end of the earth. Brother Paul Miller gave me a book to look at. He's going to be doing a series coming up here for the men's class. And I thought about that book and sat down with it and read a little bit about John Patton. Many of you have heard of him, great missionary to the New Hebrides Islands, and and how that he had a verse that meant a lot to him. It was his life verse. And And of course, it's the 20th verse of Matthew 18. And lo, I will be with you always. Can you imagine somebody traveling around the world and traveling to a land where he didn't know what to expect? Can you imagine him saying that verse to himself? And I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. You know what? You can say that verse today. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. God is your father. Yes, he is. And he will be present with you, ever present with you. And by the way, in his presence is fullness of power, by the way. And so you're saying, well, I'm a little weak this morning spiritually. Then get close to God. Draw close to him. Get on your knees someplace and beg him to come and visit you. And he will. He will be your strength and he will be your power. You see, he knows you and he wants to bless you and he will always be with you and he will always be the power and strength. He will be ever present. I will always be with you even to the end of the world. My father knows everything. I can go to him if I have any questions or concerns. I can open up his word. My father is sovereign. I will joyfully yield to his way because mine's not perfect, but his way is perfect. There's a song that says the Lord's way is perfect. Our God is perfect. My Father is holy, so He is worthy of my worship. My Father is absolute truth, and so I believe everything that He has written. And when I open up the Scriptures, I don't look at it as being a suggestion. I look at what my Father has given me the truth. And if I want to know the truth, I look to the Word of God. I let the Word of God sit in me and, 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 and settle within my own heart, within my mind, and within my soul, that I know that this is truth. And let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly so that you can actually praise him with songs and hymns within you. My Father is holy, for he is worthy of my worship, and he is worthy. He's worthy of our worship. If there's anything that we get out of a Sunday morning coming together, it's that we're worshiping the God of heaven. He is worthy of our praise, worthy of our praise. He is holy. He is the absolute truth. He is righteous, and I will live by his standards. My father is trust, uh, is just, and so he will treat me fairly every single time. When I get what I get, I get it because God allowed it to come. I'm not going to get bitter toward God when difficult things happen, and difficult things have happened to me. Difficult things have happened to you, but don't get bitter. God is sovereign. He knows what's going on. Allow it and accept it, and remember that your father is just. I think in your life, also in the life of others, my Father is love. He unconditionally has committed himself the best for me. 
My Father is merciful. He forgives me of my sins when I sincerely confess them. And my Father is faithful. That means He is trustworthy, and I can trust Him with everything, all of my, 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 my things, but also my own, my own heart, my own soul. My Father never changes. He gives absolute security, absolute stability. Someone wrote a poem years ago, by the way, I am his and he is mine. What a beautiful, beautiful thought. Loved with everlasting love, led by grace, that love to know. Gracious spirit from above, thou hast taught me, it is so. Oh, this full and perfect peace, oh, this transport all divine, in a love which cannot cease, I am his and he is mine. Heaven above is softer blue and earth. Around is sweeter green. Something lives in every hue. Christ's Christless eyes have, have never seen. Birds and gladder songs overflow. Flowers with deep beauty shine. Since I know, and as I know, I am his, and he is mine. Things that once were wild, things that once were wild alarms cannot now disturb my rest. Closed in everlasting arms, pillowed on the loving breast. Oh, to, tie, to, to lie forever here, doubt and care and self-resign, while he whispers in my ear, I am his and he is mine. His forever, only his. Who the Lord and me shall part? Oh, with what rest of bliss Christ can fill the loving heart. Heaven and earth may fade and flee, firstborn Light in gloom decline, but while God and I shall be, I am his, and he is mine. I don't know about you, but that relationship is absolutely essential. And maybe you don't have that relationship with God. Maybe you can't read verse number one of Isaiah 43 and say that I know that this is my father in heaven. It's interesting as we think about this, because maybe there's somebody here today that's sitting here still not not saved. You've been religious all of your life and you've been thinking about things above, but you've never received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You never opened up your heart and said, come in. You don't have a relationship with God. Oh, you have a relationship with good people and you have a relationship with godly people. And maybe perhaps that you're shining today because of their light, but you have no light within you. You're barren and you're empty and you know it. Come to Christ. Jesus Christ will redeem you. He will become personal to you. And and no matter what you go through, he'll be there. I remember being old, maybe 21 years old, I think. And and I was in a a tent on the shores of Lebanon. Black Beach was not too far, and there was sand everywhere. It was near the airport, and almost all of the city was in ruins. And it was just prior to the American embassy being bombed. And I was laying in a tent, and everybody else put their feet toward the uh, toward the toward the toward the end of the or toward the aisle. But I, I would put my head uh, toward the aisle because I was afraid perhaps maybe somebody would come along the way and kill an infidel by taking him out. Maybe I I didn't know, but uh, thirty five guys in my in my tent. Uh, that's a lot of guys being in one small tent. But I remember just laying there and bed sometimes and praying and talking to God. He's my God. He's my Savior. He's my Father in heaven. And he's your Father if you've been born again. 
you have him as your father. What a relationship. And he's trying to convey this to the people. Would you please comfort my people? Would you please let them know that everything's okay in the father's house? Everything's just fine because God is in control. Maybe you've got things in your life now where you're having difficulties. I understand. There's nobody in this room that doesn't have problems. If you think you're problemless or if you think somebody else is um, problemless, then you need medication, dear friend. Because we all have problems. We all have burdens and difficulties. But God wants us to be reminded that he is our father. So don't fear. Let the fear go away and trust the Father in heaven. He'll take care of you. You're better off to say, Father, let thy will be done. And just go on your way because he will take care of you. I think it's interesting, is the thing, verse number two in your text, we have God's promise of protection in verse number two. Look what it says. It says, when thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, basically he's saying, I will be with thee. And when they overflow, I will be with thee. And then when you walk through the fire, I will be with thee. You won't be burned. Neither will the flames kindle upon thee. It's interesting we think about this because God says and promises that he will be with us. What strengthens the promise is the one making it. You see, God is not slack concerning his promises. If he says that he will be with you, he will be with you. The Bible says in Romans 4.20, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. You see, that's what happens. Unbelief causes us to stagger, friend. You know, we, we don't have that faith. We don't have that trust through difficult times sometimes. It's because of us, not because of him. He's almighty. He's forever strong. But he... Staggered not the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Second Peter 3.9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. First John 2.25, and this is the promise that he hath promised us, even eternal life. In Psalm 89, verse number 34, it says, My covenant I will not break nor alter the thing that is gone out of my lips. And so he said, I will be with thee. He made a promise, and he'll always keep it. He kept it with Isaac. In Genesis 26, verse number 2, And the Lord appeared unto him and said, Go down into Egypt and dwell in the land which I shall tell thee of, and sojourn in this land, Isaac. And he said, I will be with thee. And I will bless thee. And with Jacob, and the Lord said unto Jacob, Return unto the land of thy fathers and thy kindred. I will be with thee. He said it to Moses. And Moses said unto God in in, in Exodus chapter number 3, verses 11 and 12, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Egypt, uh, children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, Certainly I will be with thee. Just simple words. I will be with thee, and this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God upon this mountain. What's beautiful about that promise is he's saying, it's already done. You're already serving me on the mountain. You're already there, Moses. Can you imagine Moses processing this? 
and saying, he's that certain that I'm going to go and I'm going to deliver the people of God out of bondage and I'm going to bring him to the mountain to serve him? Listen to me, my friend. We are someday going to rejoice and sing in heaven. We're going to look back over our shoulder and say, boy, it was tough down there, but praise God, I'm with God now in his presence. I think sometimes we lose track of this, that he said, I will be with thee. That's his call when he splits the eastern sky open. That's why he does it. He says that I, I may go, I'm going to go prepare a place for you. I'm going to come again. I'm going to receive you, that you be with me. And we will be with Christ forever, that my people will be with me. It's interesting when we think about it, because Joshua in Deuteronomy 31, 23, and he gave Joshua, the son of Nun, a charge and said, Be strong and of good courage. For thou shalt bring the children of Israel into the land which I swear unto them, and I will be with thee. Listen to the ways he speaks to Gideon. Gideon in Judges chapter 6, verses 15 and 16, he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee. And thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. He said it to Solomon in 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 38, And it shall be, if thou wilt hearken unto all that I command thee, and wilt walk with, in my ways, and do that which is right in my sight, to keep my statutes and keep my commandments, as David my servant did, that I will be with thee and build thee a sure house. And as I built for David, I will give Israel unto thee. But I think it's important for us to understand that he's also saying it to us. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 5, the Bible says, Let not your conversation be without covetousness. And be content with what things you have. For he said, I will never leave thee or forsake thee. One of the commentaries on that says the argument to enforce the duty for he saith, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. These words are promised by the promise of the God of heaven, a promise of his presence and providence to assure us both, of us both, that he will never leave us or forsake us. He uses five negatives, the commentator goes on to say. He says, I will never leave thee. I will not. I will not. I will not forsake thee. That's pretty powerful. And if God said that, I will never, 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 never leave thee. He meant it. And that's his promise. He goes on to say that the vehemency of, of, of the expression by the multiplication of the negative particles is both an effect on the, of the divine condescension and gives the utmost security to the faith of the believers that God will be present with them and comfortably provide for them so that the words are strong reason to divert from covetousness and to exhort to contentedness for having God's present with us to take care of us and to provide for us. We have all things in him, and all of his promises are for us, that we shall not want anything. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. God gives us an incredible power and liberty when we trust him as a father, that he will take care of us. It's all throughout the Bible that he will never leave us. He is a father that will not abandon his children. Oh, listen to me, dear friend. Do you have that security today that God is with you and will strengthen you? 
You may not have taught your heart to covet. But it will naturally come to you. But you have to teach your heart to be content. That comes unnaturally to you. Because the humans seem like they want more. What they get is not sufficient. I was blessed to be with my grandson yesterday. He wants to help me. He's doing some wood among many projects yesterday, but one of them was to cut up some wood. And it was just a blessing, and I, I, I probably shouldn't have done this, but I took him to Culver's yesterday. Kind of snuck out to Culver's for an ice cream cone. You know. He pulls out of his wallet a little thing that said, free, free ice cream. You know, here you go, Grandpa. I said, no. Let me buy it for you. You see, he was helping me. He's kind. He's the one that set up the trap out here. Brother Brian set a trap up, and we set another trap up for that groundhog. We'll catch him. We'll catch him. Even if we have to put a Culver's ice cream cone out there, we'll catch him. You know, something I probably shouldn't have ate, but we both had ice cream yesterday. and He beat me. His was done before mine was done. And it was a big ice cream cone. It was a $3 ice cream cone from his grandfather. We were out in the woods a little while after that. He says, hey, Papa, look at this. Look at this. I cannot believe how that kid can work. He knew exactly what I needed to get done, and he did it. I needed no initiative. He just got it done. He's sitting upon my my wagon, hooked to the four-wheeler, and I got an older four-wheeler, and he's sitting on that wagon that's built up with more wood than that wagon can handle. He's just looking at me like, what's your problem? How come you're so slow? I was cutting it all up, you know, big chunks. He had it all stacked up. He said, I made a tailgate, Grandpa. He made a tailgate, you know, and it was all wonderful. I'm thinking, my goodness, I praise God for my boys, and I praise God for my grandsons and now my granddaughter. I think about how that love that a father has and how a grandfather has for their kids, and how do you express it? You cannot, you cannot have a selfish heart and be a good grandpa or grandma. You can't. We need to be more like our Father in heaven. He's such a wonderful God. He's such a giving God. He'll take care of you. During this difficult time, remember that your strength is going to come from above. The other night I was in... About 3 o'clock in the morning, I got up, and I said, Lord, I, I, I don't know what verses to look at this morning. Well, can, you, can you put some kind of verse on my mind so that I can just look at it? And Psalm 103 came to my mind. Now, I don't think that God ever speaks to anybody audibly. Like, Psalm 103. I don't think that that happens. That's with Bill Crosby years ago. Yeah. Noah. Remember that? I think God speaks through your heart. And it seemed like he was saying, turn to Psalm 103. I just want to read a few verses. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, and he heals all thy diseases. Who redeems thy life from his destruction. Who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. Who satisfy thy mouth with good things. Satisfies your mouth with good things. What a blessing. That ice cream tasted pretty good. But I'll tell you what's even better. Time alone with God. With the scriptures open, let him speak to you, dear friend. He's your father. 
He wants to speak to you. You've been asking him for things without even talking to him. You see, everything else has got your attention. Some of you even look at Tic Tac, whatever that is, TikTok or whatever. I don't know what it's called. Some of you like YouTube more than you like the Bible. That's sad, isn't it? I'm not trying to be mean this morning, but you're, you're missing out, dear friend, on the wonderful grace of God and how he wants to meet your needs. Who satisfy thy mouth with good things so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles? Why are you so weak? Read the word of God. Wait on God, and you'll get strong again. And he'll give you the power that you need to get through this difficult time. The Lord executes righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. And he made known his ways unto Moses and his acts unto the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, so slow to anger and plenteous of mercy. He will not always chide, neither will keep his anger forever. Listen to what it says. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Look at verse 13. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. Oh, dear son of God, dear daughter of God, you have a father in heaven that wants to provide for you great things. Oh, we're so caught up with the things of this world. Is it so hard to let them go? Is it so hard? I think about the poem many times. I said, let me walk in the fields. He said, no, walk in the town. I said, there's no flowers there. He said, no flowers but a crown. I said, but the sky is black and there's nothing but noise and din. And he wept as he sent me back. There is more, he said. There is sin. I said, but the air is thick and the fog is are veiling the sun. And he said, yet souls are sick and souls are dark and undone. And I said, I shall miss the light and my friends will miss me, they say. He answered, choose tonight if I am to miss you or they. I pleaded for a time to be given. And he said, is it hard to decide? It will not seem so hard in heaven to have followed the steps of your guide. I cast one look to the fields and then I put my face to the town. And he said, my child, do you yield? Will you leave the flowers for the crown? And then into my hand, into his hand went mine. And into my heart he came. And I walked in the light of heaven, the path that I feared to see. So many times we resist that which is what's best for us. I don't know what it is. It's like we have this tendency to, to think that perhaps God is trying to hurt us or something. And I want you to be reminded this morning that he will be with us. We pass through the waters. We pass through the rivers. We pass through the fire. He will be with us. Remember the Hebrew children. Let me read it to you again. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of the fiery furnace. And then Nebuchadnezzar, the king, was astonished, astonished, rose up in haste and spake and said unto his counselors, Did not we cast three men bound in the midst of the fire? And they answered and they said unto the king and said, True, O king. And he answered and said, Lo, I see four men loosed walking in the midst of the fire and they have no hurt. 
and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. And then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spake unto Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, You servants of the Most High God, come forth and come hither. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth of the midst of the fire. And the princes and the governors and the captains and the king's counselors being gathered together saw these men upon whose bodies the fire had no power, nor was an hair of their head singed, and neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of fire had passed on them. What a promise that God would protect us even when we go through hard times. God will always allow comedy, calamity. One of the commentators said that. He will always allow calamity, however great, to overwhelm his true children, but will graciously sustain and comfort them under it and grant them in due time deliverance from it and make it subservient to their highest welfare. You see, God knows. I think sometimes we get a little weak in things. We just need to be reminded that God will be with us and God will strengthen us. Are you, are you weak spiritually today? I think there are Christians all over this world that are getting weary about all the things that are going on. I mean, I turn on, I turn on the news in the morning sometimes at 7 o'clock, and I'm thinking maybe, maybe something else is going to change. Maybe things will settle down a little bit. It seems like it's getting worse. But God prepared us to climb this mountain. Maybe some of these mountains are difficult. Tom and I climbed a mountain when we were in Malaysia. Tom's in better shape than I was. I just lost a bunch of weight, so I thought this would be no problem. I was a Marine. I got one-third up the mountain. I was going... <gasps> and, and the guy with me was saying, I think you need to do it, Dean, is just take, take lesser... You know, he was speaking in the Chinese, Chinese, and so I really couldn't understand what he was saying. Take, take smaller steps, you know, smaller steps. Because I was taking these big steps all the time. My legs were going higher, and so it didn't work. And by the time I got to the top, Tom had already been up there about an hour or so. In 1924, two climbers were part of an expedition that set out to conquer Mount Everest. As far as it is known, they never reached the summit And they never returned. Somewhere on that gigantic mountain, they were overpowered by the elements and they died. After the failure of the expedition, the rest of the party returned home. Addressing a meeting in London, one of those who returned described it as the ill-fated adventure that he was upon. He then turned to a huge photograph of Mount Everest, mounted on the wall behind him. Everest, he cried, we tried to conquer you once but you overpowered us. We tried to conquer you the second time, but you again were too much for us. But Everest, I want you to know that we are going to conquer you because you can't grow, but we can. Hmm. Trying to get through the first mile in the Marine Corps was difficult. I never thought that I would be able to run 10 miles with no problem, at least a little bit of problem. I never thought that, but it was that first mile. Maybe you're having troubles today. You think, I, I, I don't even want to get up in the morning. I don't really have nothing to get up for. I don't really have any purpose anymore. Get up, dear friend. 
There's people for you to encourage. Don't let us down. Get up. Do something for God. You say, but the mountain's too big. No. You know what? That mountain will never grow, but you can. You can grow, and you can get stronger to continue on, no matter what your hardship is today. I got to close. But last, we see in this, in verse number three, we see that we have God's permanent provision. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. I gave Egypt for thy ransom, and Ethiopia, and Seba for thee. I gave that to you. I provided for you. And since thou wast precious in my sight, thou hast been honorable, and I have loved thee. Therefore, I will give men for thee, and people for thy life. God will help you. He loves you that much. The Bible says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation. John chapter 6, verse number 37, it says, And all that the Father gives me shall come to me, and him that comes to me I will in no wise cast out. And I will give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. And Paul wrote this, who hath also sealed us and given us that earnest spirit in our hearts. For I am persuaded, Paul said, I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor heights, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. We have a powerful purpose in closing the purpose is incredible. It's in verses 4 through 7. And the main thing is that you understand that he created you. He created you to do something. He didn't create you just to exist. God created you for a purpose. He formed you. He gave you the particular shape you have. I made thee. I have adapted him to accomplish my counsels and my designs. The commentator said, it is for his own glory that God begins and carries forward the work of redemption in men's souls. And he will make every ransom spirit in heaven an eternal monument of his praise. I think in closing, it's important for us to remember that we are God's personal possession. We have that wonderful promise of his protection. We have a permanent provision. And we have a powerful purpose. And that purpose is to continue to glorify him. And when you go into the valleys and things are really dark, you can actually glorify him more. Because we live in a sick, sinful, cursed world. But we know what the cure is. The cure is knowing that we have a Father in heaven who loves us. And the cure for us is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Have you come to him? Have you surrendered your heart to him? If you've never done that, do that this morning. You that are watching, it's been a long time since you've been watching us. I preached forever here, it seems like. But maybe you're all alone there in your home. And you think nobody loves you. God knows your name. God has a purpose for you. Get up, get dressed, and do something for God. Time is short. Time is short. We must make haste until this instruction comes to serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Boy, I can't wait to get to heaven. What a reunion that's going to be. You see, my grandmas are there. My great-grandmas are there. My grandpa's there. He's probably entertaining people. Loved ones are there. You'll never be able to see it unless you've been born again. You can't be religious enough to see it. You must be born 
from above. Let's pray. Every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. I don't know. What's going on in your life? What you do? And God does. But maybe this morning you'd say, Pastor, I've, I've been in that valley. I didn't look at it as a valley of change. I looked at it as a valley of doom. But maybe this morning you'd say, Pastor, I'm, I know Jesus Christ is my Savior. I've been saved. But I need to be strengthened by God. So I need you to pray for me this morning. And with nobody looking around, if you want me to pray for you, just lift up your hand. Honestly, thank you so much. Maybe someone else, thank you. I understand. Maybe with these, you'd say, Pastor, please pray for me. I've been in the valley and I need some help. Would you pray that God would give me strength? Anyone else? Just lift up your hand and put it back down again. Yes, I understand. God wants to be your strength. He wants to be your high tower. He wants to give you clarity of mind. Been kind of confused lately on things. God will clear it all up for you. He'll show you why. Draw close to him. But maybe you're here this morning and you've known God of God and you've known of Jesus, but you've never received them. You've never opened up your heart. Oh, you can quote scripture. You can actually point things out in the Bible, but you've never been born again this message was for you then too and maybe if you'd be honest enough to say pastor I'm, I still have not opened my heart to Jesus Christ I've not been saved but I'd like you to pray for me I won't point you out but I'll pray for you that God will help you make that decision to open up your heart and receive him is there anyone like that just lift up your hand and put it back down again anyone then I believe this message was for the believers This is an old-fashioned altar. Maybe you just need to come and meet with God just for a little bit up here. We'll give you a chance and opportunity to do that. Would you please stand? No one looking around this morning. We're going to pray, and as soon as I'm done praying, the invitation will begin. If you need to come, you come and use the altar if you need to. If you want to talk to me, I'm right here. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would guide in the invitation. In Jesus' name, amen.
I think one of the greatest things that we can get from the New Testament is to love one another. We're going to talk about it tonight from, from John. He was in his mid-90s, um, the Apostle John, and he gives us a, a letter just concerning that particular topic. But he uses a section of that, and I think it's the second chapter of First John, uh, concerning loving one another. And we'll talk about that tonight. Um, I think it will be an encouragement to all who come. So be here at 6 o'clock tonight. Brother Jerry Older, could you come on up, Jerry? He's one of our deacons at our church. Him and I share a lot of things in common, but one of those is the woods. And uh, we love to hunt. I should say we like to hunt. We love Jesus, right, Jerry? But uh, we got to remember, too, though, that this is God who made all things for our pleasure, uh, even the woods. And so he's a better hunter than I am. Oh, he was in the Marines, so we have that common, too. Yeah. You like Culver's? Yes. Yeah, three things, and we've got three things in common. Why don't you close in prayer if you would? Thank you.